Hi everyone, Mario Zelenas here. It's such a joy to be able to bring this announcement to you that on the 23rd of December, we are going to be receiving a one-time donation for Origin Gate and in particular for Wisdom's Echo. So we can be a blessing to everyone who contributes content to Wisdom's Echo on a daily basis and so we can continue to further and to advance the kingdom of Yahweh through the efforts of Origin Gate and Wisdom's Echo. I want to encourage each and every one of you who listen to us daily, now in over 100 nations, more than 170,000 people, I want to encourage every single one of you to please consider doing something. It doesn't have to be everything, but it can be something. And if we each do our part, all of us who participate and all of us who receive these things that go forth from Wisdom's Echo, we will make a difference. Thank you for considering it and thank you for the honor that you've always shown us and continue to demonstrate toward everyone who is a part of this. May Yahweh richly bless you and your household and your generations and your nations. Shalom. Hey y'all, thank you for tuning in to Origin Gates Daily Podcast called Wisdom's Echo. My name is Parker Thomaston and I'm so honored to share this insight of the day. The title of the podcast today is called Will You Believe? And uh, and I just want to begin by honoring my apostle Aaron Smith here at Gates of Zion in Mobile, Alabama for stirring uh, this word in my spirit. But it has to do with the power of the believer in this age. Now, now we're not necessarily dealing with an opportunity to choose to believe, but we, we, we're addressing and dealing with situations and decisions that have already been made. This word for believe doesn't deal with the future tense. It's an implication that it's already been dealt with. So this word in Hebrew is called a man, a left mem and noon final. And, and this is a statement that the state has already been put into the ground as we see the word of Yahweh fulfilled and gloriously returned back unto him. In Genesis chapter 15 verse 6, it talks about how Abraham believed in Yahweh and he accounted it unto him for righteousness. This position of righteousness acknowledges that Yahweh's goodness is not contingent upon the outcome of a situation. I I don't want to get sidetracked today. Uh, But I do want to share this thought. How long were Adam and Eve in the garden? How, how many days, how many weeks, months, or, or even years? And, and I believe the reason why we don't know is because Adam and Eve weren't subject to time. They govern time, not the other way around. And, and I want to stay focused, but there is an offense of measurement that has taken place when sons and daughters of Yahweh begin to measure his goodness based on their opinions of his performance. In, in the fifth chapter of Daniel, we see that Belshazzar holds a great feast and is drinking from the vessels that had been looted in the destruction of the first temple, and then a hand appears and writes on the wall. Now, Belshazzar is the king of Babylon, and and he became terrified and called for his wise men to come and interpret the writing, but none of them were able to interpret the writing. So the queen then calls for Daniel, and he interprets the message. Please 
please be reminded that Daniel wasn't called upon simply by what he knew, but for who he knew. It was his relationship, I believe, with Yahweh that enabled him to understand the language. As these letters dance upon the wall, they were speaking more than the wise men could recognize, primarily because they showed that they were living. And I personally believe that with the moment when we deny the life of the Spirit of Yahweh, that becomes the very moment that we cease to receive of that life. But but what is most important to me about this message is what was written. So in Hebrew and Aramaic, it says, Mene, Mene, Tekal, Paraz. And it means that Yahweh has numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Thou are weighed in the balances and are found wanting. Your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. So what happened? later that night at the feast. It was it was that very night that Belshazzar was killed and Darius the Mede had received the kingdom. So how is one found wanting? How, how are you and I found wanting? And I believe that it's by comparing our possessions. So back to the power of the believer in this age. I am constantly progressing. Like I've I've been found guilty of believing that if you focus on the solution, the problem will take care of itself. And it's good to learn lessons because Yahweh said, cast this mountain, speak to the mountain, and it shall be cast into the sea. He didn't say to ignore this mountain. So the answer is not just ignoring the, the problems that Yahweh has equipped us to overcome. It's acknowledging that we not only have a responsibility to make things right, but he has already given us the tools necessary for us to be able to make these things right. So recently I, I had a conversation with my oldest son, and he's a, a phenomenal baseball player among many other things, um, but that's his, his biggest joy uh, right now is being able to play baseball with his friends and and he's you know there's high expectations for his performance so he kind of gets frustrated when we practice and he makes a mistake and I begin to tell him how how the reason that we practice is so that when you make mistakes you make them in a protected environment in order to perform at our highest ability when it counts so I'm extremely grateful that Yahweh covers us so we're able to perform at our highest ability when it counts. Here's the thing. Before you and I are given responsibility, it's true that we can avoid focusing on the problems, but in a position of maturity, we're called to solve these problems, and we're not only called to solve them, but we are equipped to solve them. Ignoring them will only defer the victory. These are our finest hours, and I am born for this. Are you born for this today? So, so let's jump into some things found in Mark chapter 9. Um, verse 1, there is a mystery here. And Yeshua said unto them, Assuredly, I say to you that there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of Yahweh present with power. Verse 2 says, Now after six days, Yeshua took Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His clothes became shining exceedingly 
white like snow, such as no launderer on earth could whiten them, no fuller, some translations say. And Elijah appeared to them with Moses, and they were talking there with Yeshua. And Peter answered and said to Yeshua, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Please let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, because he did not know what to say, for they were greatly afraid. One of the things that I'm learning now is when you don't know what to say, just keep your mouth shut. You know, it's it's like the old proverb that says it's better to be thought a fool than to remove, uh, to open your mouth or speak and remove all doubt. Um, verse 7 says, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and a voice came out aloud saying, this is my beloved son, hear him. This is a tremendous key um, because I believe there was a new position of authority that Yeshua was called into to be able to speak because he allowed Yahweh and Yahweh alone to overshadow him. Now, I've heard Sir Ian Clayton has a tremendous revelation on the overshadowing, but essentially what it means is it's what you give place to um, to have authority in your life. It stands over you and overshadows you. So verse 8 says, suddenly when they had looked around, they saw no one anymore, but only Yeshua with themselves. Now, as they came down from the mountain, he commanded them that they should tell no one the things that they had seen till the son of man had risen from the dead. So they kept this word to themselves, questioning what the rising from the dead meant. They had not even known what Yeshua was talking about because, you know, in his relationship, he loved to speak in mysteries and parables. And they asked him saying, why do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? And he answered and told them, indeed, Elijah is coming first and restores all things. And how is it written concerning the son of man that he must suffer things and be treated with contempt? But I say to you that Elijah has also come and they did to him whatever they had wished as it is written of him. Now there are are seven key moments in the life of Yeshua. And I believe that every individual has access to the first three. This is introduced to me by a friend of mine probably four or five years ago um, concerning this passage of scripture. But, But the first thing is the birth of Yeshua, the baptism of Yeshua, the temptation, the transfiguration, which has to do with the revealing of the divine nature. And then the last three from this turning point are things that I believe are a launching into what is Yahweh's divine intention for our lives, and that is the crucifixion, the resurrection, and the ascension. Now, what will really change the earth is when you and I really change. Insight is a consequence of your mind, and it draws men to the to the man or the woman releasing the knowledge. But revelation is a consequence of your heart, and it draws men to Yahweh who reveals it. Now, the biggest difference that I'm learning between transfiguration and transformation is that the transfiguration identifies a completed work and the transformation acknowledges the process. Now, Yeshua's governance was that he was able to see through the process to the finished work. You and I are designed to walk in this governance. So let's begin to act like it. You know, I've I've laughed and said that Yahweh isn't surprised by this pandemic. He's not surprised by this election. 
He's not surprised. And recently I've heard his laughter and response, and he's saying, then why are you? And I believe that when we truly believe that we have the power to bring an alignment, I'm not trying to hype you up and ask you to believe. I... I cannot do that. Like, I'm incapable of doing that, and it's illegal for me to do that. You have to do that for yourself. I'm here to remind you that that I have made up my mind to believe, and I will continue to believe Yahweh's word. I set myself this day to see the finish, and I will be one of the ones to present Yahweh's word back unto him fulfilled. Now, time is getting away from me today, but these next few scriptures are related to a uh, um, an interaction that Yeshua has once they come down from the mountain. And it's about this man who said that his son was possessed and, and basically said that he had a mute spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it would throw him down. He would foam at the mouth, gnash his teeth, become rigid. So he, he asked the disciples to cast it out, and they could not. And Yeshua turns and rebukes the disciples. He said something along the lines of, calling them a faithless generation and asked a question, how long will I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. So he gave the disciples an opportunity to do what he was going to do himself. Now, this is an encouragement to me to begin seeking out the life of Yeshua because I've spent my life identifying as another Bible hero, a one, a worshiper, a lover of Yahweh. And I've seen that, that he wasn't even concerned considered to be a king, but still the position was reserved for him. Let me remind you, though, that as great as your Bible heroes are, we are called to be like Yeshua. The same disciples that gave their lives to prepare prepare, excuse me, the way and served him, were rebuked for relying upon Yeshua to do the things that they were already equipped to do. Let's go back to the thought of focusing on the solution and the problem will not take care of itself. Guess what? It didn't here. Yeshua took care of it himself, but not before they were given an opportunity to demonstrate his power. So, It says that immediately the spirit convulsed and he fell in the ground. And Yeshua said unto the Father, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out. And he said with tears, Lord, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. Immediately. Immediately the spirit convulsed and immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help me in my unbelief. Do you think it was coincidental that it took the same amount of time for the father to cry out as it did for the spirit in the son to manifest? At at what point was unbelief given a seat? From childhood until his this very moment, the father experienced this recurring cycle. At what point did disappointment take root? At what point did hope evade him? At what point was unbelief given a seat? The most amazing thing to me is that Yeshua didn't ask any of these questions. His mercy allowed restoration and his love made a way not only for the son to be restored, but for the father to believe again. And his mercy and love continue to make a way for you and I. So today, family, let us believe 
and continue to believe in Yahweh's word over us. I thank you so much for engaging with us. Please continue to join in and and listen to these great podcasts from from some incredible friends of mine um, and, and tell your friends about them. This is meant to be an encouragement for you and I to be able to walk together in the fullness of all that the Father has called for us to do. Family, thank you for engaging, and I can't wait to see you next time.